0: Welcome to Stories Over Spreadsheets. Today we are speaking with Saku Tuominen, who is the founder and creative director of a Finland based organization called Hundred. Hundred discovers, researches, and shares impactful and scalable K 12 innovations with the world. You can check them out at hundred.org. Saku has had a fascinating and prolific professional life and calls himself an entrepreneur, an innovator, a creative director, an executive producer, an author, keynote speaker, curator, and even an olive oil producer and an accomplished ice hockey player. Enjoy the conversation. So, uh, Saku, thank you for coming on to the podcast and making time for this. And as I was reading through your profile and about 100, I was just fascinated by just the prolific and the varied career or professional life you have had so you've you know you've done you've started a company for tv production you've written many books you've uh, you're a ice hockey player and i'd just love to get a sense of um, how did 100 come about and all of that trajectory i'd love to hear from you you know what's been what's been that part which has led you to 100
1: well, well first of all thanks so much for the invitation it's a pleasure pleasure to be here And uh, briefly about myself, uh, I've been having my own company for 30 years. I founded my first company when I was 1989, and that was a TV production company. And and kind of like in the beginning, my biggest passion was to come up with great ideas and to execute them well. So not only ideas, but also the the marriage or combination between ideas and execution. And and after that one, I've been sort of like dealing with creativity, thinking skills and so on all my life. Uh, I've written 10 books. Uh, I've been doing things with Finnish schools. I've been trying to understand what is the future of work and so on and so on. On the side, I'd say that I, I like to call myself an idealist because I think that any problem in the world can be fixed with a great idea that is executed well. And that's why... Uh, our holding company is called Idealist Group. And and if you really want to make a long lasting change happen in the world, I think that there is no better place to start as in schools. Because uh, if you want to make the future change makers, if you want to take good care of the planet, if you want to improve the work life and so on, you should start early on. And that's why I'd say roughly about five years ago i decided to stop everything else and concentrate only on education and we are concentrating on k-12 education but like i mentioned i've been teaching creativity uh thinking skills in university we've been doing pro bono work with finnish schools and so on so education is not something totally new for me but but for the past five years i've been i've been concentrating only on education and i love it my plan is to be concentrating on this area for the rest of my life. Amazing! That's so good to hear. And
0: so, tell us a little bit about Hundred. How did that come about? Uh, what was what were you trying to solve? Uh, and how does how does Hundred try uh, try to solve that?
1: Like I mentioned, I believe that how the change happens, it happens through great ideas that are executed well. So you have to identify a problem, then you have to identify a solution. And then you have to select the solutions that seem to be working. And that's kind of like quite obvious. But, but the problem with education is that I have a feeling is that the world of education is full of great ideas that actually are working, that have evidence. And yet no one knows about. If I go to India and I ask, what are the best innovations happening in Finland or in Sweden or in Australia or in the U.S.? I'd say 99% of the innovations are totally unheard of. But it's exactly the same in Finland. If I go to speak Finnish teachers and I'm asking uh, what are the best assessment innovations or innovations regarding teaching mathematics or whatever happening in India or in Africa or in Latin America or in Singapore, no one knows. So I think that the problem in education, I've been as a joke I've been saying is that education is a bit like Las Vegas. The saying is that whatever happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. Uh-huh. And it's exactly the same in classroom. Whatever happens in a classroom stays in a classroom. So what, what we kind of like decided to do is that we decided to make our mission to change this, meaning identify, create education innovations and help them spread. Right. And and, and, and do it on a global level. We studied in Finland, but then quite early on we understood is that it makes absolutely no sense to concentrate only on one country uh, or separately each and every country because one of the key problems we are having in education is that it's so unglobal. There is minimum amount of dialogue between countries and so on. And if I'm looking education from the perspective of a child for me the purpose of education is to help every child flourish no matter what happens in life and then if you are thinking it from his or her point of view for her it makes no difference whether the innovation comes from germany or from brazil the only thing that is relevant is that does it help him flourish so that's why for me it's totally uninteresting where do the innovation come from? Where was it originated? The only thing I'm excited about is that does it work? And can it work in other countries as well? Yeah, and so in the last you know
0: five years or so since uh, since 100 has, has been operating, I wonder what have been your new insights about how ideas and education can spread or what are some of the challenges that You've you've learned about which you didn't foresee, and um, and I'm also always keen to hear where have you been pleasantly surprised, where where you thought would be a challenge, but actually uh, you were blown away by you know uh, something unexpected
1: in a good way. Uh, how how much time do I have? Do I have two days or two weeks or two <laughs> months? Because it's a massive massive question. Uh, but let's kind of like start with the basics when when we. Uh, When we started four or five years ago, we've been going through roughly about 2,000 innovations from 150 countries. We've been giving keynotes in, I think, 30 or 40 countries. We have 100 ambassadors in 67 countries and so on. So we've been examining what is happening globally quite a lot. And and, and I'd say that we have quite good gut, gut feeling about what is happening in the world of education at the moment. And then when we started, we kind of like thought that the, the key challenge is identifying great education innovations. And I'd say that no, not really, because actually that is quite easy. Um, we've been, like mentioned, we've been going through like 1,700 innovations. And I'd say that maybe 1,500 of them have potential to spread uh, and so on. Not all of them have potential to spread to every country or whatever. But there's something beautiful, there's passion, there's ambition, there's evidence and so on. But I think that the key problem at the moment is elsewhere. Also, like mentioned, we've been visiting huge, way too many education events, conferences, seminars and, and so on. And I've been listening to all of these panels. And and interestingly, practically everyone in every country of the world seemed to agree on the need for change on the challenge and on the direction so pretty much everyone says is that the world is chasing faster than schools we need to improve our schools we need to create a mindset for learning we need to have uh, four c's we need to have six c's we need to have creative uh, skills we need to have 21st century skills soft skills cooperation creativity and so on and so on so it's really complicated to find anyone who strongly disagrees with this one but then the the discussion that is almost totally absent from every uh, event is the implementation side meaning yeah how do you make the change happen in scale how do you make it happen fast enough and how do you make it happen so that you are not breaking down the system so that you are taking good care of teachers? and especially kids, because I think that we cannot afford to break the system for the following 10, 15, 20 years and say to the generation that is in school now, is that sorry, the schools are under improvement, your education will be broken. So we have to be taking care of each and everyone as we speak. So I'd say that first of all, the positive surprise is that there's beautiful things out there that can solve the problem we are talking about. The bad news is that they don't spread and we have an implementation and distribution problem. So in improving education, it's not an innovation problem. It's a implementation problem. But when I say that, I think that the thing that we need desperately are innovations regarding implementation or innovations regarding distribution. So, for example, if there's something great happening in Helsinki, how do we make sure then that teachers in India who would love to use that innovation hear about it? And if they want to implement, what kind of help do they need? And, and in the beginning, we also thought that in 100 site, we are giving a huge amount of information regarding the innovation. Uh, we are giving the background, we are giving the target group. We are giving the implementation steps and so on. And we, we thought that maybe a small percentage of teachers or principals or educators will implement those, kind of like they will try those. But the more I sort of like look the business or look the world of education as it is at the moment, I think that that's maybe a bit too optimistic for the time being because I think that the whole concept of innovation in education is actually quite new and, and so on. So first of all, you have to explain what is an innovation. Then secondly, you have to have a lot of success stories and then you have to have, and in order to have success stories, you need to have an implementation plan and also another problem in education is that I'd say maybe 70-80% of the best innovations are are not-for-profits or they are created by schools or teachers. And then the problem is that they don't have resources. Sometimes they don't even have the interest to spread those because their main passion, as it should be, is in the classroom. So there are many things you have to fix in the system in order to make the change happen.
0: Thank you. That's very useful. And you know you, you began to talk about it. In my world, I think a lot about scale. You know very often you'll see these amazing things happening in one classroom um, and forget different geographies, but you'll not see it getting you know, implemented in the next classroom, which would be you know, we should be in the same school or sometimes in this, within the same organization or similar ecosystem. And I wonder in seeing so many different innovations around the world, for the ones that, that are scaling successfully, what are some of the key common characteristics that you see, whether it's, you know, in, uh, in the, with the person implementing it, whether it's with the model, whether it's uh, the way they think about strategic clarity. I'm always keen to hear like the big uh, lessons coming out of scaling.
1: Well, again, massive question. And and I would love to be speaking about this for ages, but first of all, I'm not a big fan of scaling because scaling is industrial word. It, It sort of like gives a perception that things magically scale, they grow and so on. I'm, talking about spreading or making these uh, innovations work in other countries, sort of like use more human-like words than scaling because scaling is giving a word is that this is an innovation, boom, it scales. And quite seldom, uh, if you are not talking, for example, about an app, that's not the reality. Uh, If you start kind of like from the basic question of what kind of innovations spread, I'd say that there's one thing they are solving a problem. They are making the life of a teacher easier. So first of all, there there has to be a pain point. There, There has to be a problem and then the solution has to be really simple and, and it has to be easy to implement and then it has to create a word of mouth. So, uh, in order to make them happen, what should happen is that teachers are promoting, or principals are promoting the innovation to each others, even if no one is asking. So they are saying, for example, let's take Kahoot, uh, uh, which is a quite simple app or uh, platform that is, that is helping to use sort of like quiz format to teach different kinds of topics, uh, subjects. So it's so simple to use and, and what teachers are saying, in for example, in Finland is that, oh, have you been using Kahoot? It's so simple. It's solving so many of my problems and kids seem to love it. So it's a really simple. You don't have to have complex manuals. Uh, you don't need to involve huge amount of people or whatever. So a sense of ease in the implementation and it's solving a real pro- problem. Uh, The reason why so many teachers hate the word innovation is that they have a feeling that it's bringing them extra work. And if they have a feeling is that innovation is bringing them extra work, it's extremely seldom works. So there has to be this sense of ease. But I'd say that the main problem, if you're asking from me, in the world of education is a almost total lack of distribution services and sometimes this might be a bit extreme for many but i've been com- i've been using it as an analog for example the wine industry so let's take let's say that you are you are a brilliant wine producer in in toscany in italy and and then you want to be spreading your wines to us or to uk and then on the other side you are having a connoisseur in the middle of uk who is excited about the wine in, in, in Tuscany. So how does the wine end up from Tuscany to Manchester? Uh, and, and in many of the cases, the producer is a small one and he or she doesn't have a passion to sell the wine to Manchester, but she would love to see the wine in Manchester because that's his passion. So what is how, how is the wine industry working? in between first of all there are agents so there is someone who is specialized in organic wines in italy they are selecting the great ones and then they know the possible customers in manchester and then they are building a bridge between those and they are helping to send the wines from toscany to manchester and i think that that's something that is lacking from from education let's say that you are the head of education in helsinki And you would love to know the best ways to teach coding or robotics or AI. Where where do you go? Where do you start looking for? You might start looking from the big companies like Pearson or whatever. But if you really want to see the great stuff happening in various countries, there is no such service. There is no such agent. And I think that that kind of structure is lacking from education. And in 100, one of our goals in the long run is to be building that one. So if you would have a minister of education in Bhutan, and they are saying that we would love to find the best ways to teach creativity, we would be more than happy to present is that we found out these eight scalable innovations that could be perfect for you. But keeping in mind is that you really have to be humble Because the fact that something is working in in Silicon Valley or in Germany doesn't mean is that it will work also in Japan because countries are different. But that's why we are not telling is that this will work in your country. What we are saying is that this is working in 15 countries. It might work in your country, but you have to leave the final decision to the uh, people who really know the classrooms in their own country.
0: Yeah, and that sounds very similar to the way we approach our work at Teach exactly. for All. Right? Exactly. He said, You know, we have, it's a global problem, so we think solutions are shareable, but they need to be contextualized uh, based exactly. on whether you're in South Asia or Latin America or Europe or wherever they are. So, I,
1: I'd say, if, if I comment to that, that one briefly, I'd say yes and no. Some of the innovations ha- definitely have to be contextualized. But some of them actually are quite global from day one, and they can work. Uh, and, and, and then the, the level of contextualization needed varies hugely. So let's, for example, take the TED, T-E-D the TED conference or TEDx conference. Uh, the format, the way it's implemented, is practically exactly the same in every country but what is changing from country to country is the content. So there are different ways of approaching approaching this this one as well. But, but mostly I'd say that, yes, I do agree with you, but the best expert on doing the modifications should always be the local expert, not the international one. I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. And the other thing, you know, I think
0: about, for example, you know, a country like where I live in and grew up in India, you know, we have 325 million or more kids, school-going kids. And and one of the things that we've been thinking about is that, you know, top-down change can take so long, can be so bureaucratic. And at that scale, in a country where, you know, as as populous as you, uh, ours can, can seem so slow, and we wonder what would it look like for change to be bottom-up. For giving students or the last mile delivery folks, whether it's teachers or school leaders uh, a a hand in saying, you know, how uh, how to spread excellent education uh, faster uh, in a more meaningful way. And I wonder if you have thoughts about that.
1: Uh, Again, a, a lot. I think that if you are thinking about how change happens in any other industry, It happens bottom up. Let's take, for example, examples like Uber or Airbnb or whatever. Uh, People kind of like say, there might be some people who say that yes, but Airbnb would never work in our country or Uber would never work in our country. Then people try it and they love it and it starts to spread. And, And education is unlike any other industry because it's, it's happening in silos and there's full of gatekeepers. So I've been saying is that in, for example, innovations like Uber or Airbnb would never, ever have been possible in the world of education because there would have been some kind of gatekeeper saying is that, yes, but this would never work in Finland. Yes, but this would never work in Sweden and so on, even though it would work. So we have to understand this kind of this kind of problem and quite often uh, when i'm giving speeches people say that yes but every country is so different that this and this and this innovation would never work here then then you then you start to ask for example is that do you know about this or this or this and then people say no i don't then i give them a short presentation and then they go like i love this can i start using this so it's mostly on or not mostly but at least partly prejudice as, as well, and and in order to break this, uh, I think the key thing we need to have is success stories, uh, because because when for example let's take uh, innovation originated in India, designed for chains, uh, b- which you probably know, yeah. and then some people yeah. say is that uh, this would never work in Finland because it's too complicated and so on, and 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 then. There's only one sentence that can make the change happen sentences yes that's possible but at the moment it's working in 67 other countries then people go like really can i see it again because because they need to have some kind of evidence is that this innovation has potential to, to travel has potential to work in other countries but i for example uh, i met one teacher from south korea and in washington and i was discussing with her about teaching ai in primary education and then then he was she was showing is that this is the way we do it in south korea and she was showing kind of like the models how to help kids understand the basics of algorithms ai and so forth and i thought that they were brilliant i asked a few copies and then i've been showing it to teachers in in every country where i go to and and practically everyone goes like wow this is mind-blowing we would love to start using this tomorrow so there are these kind of examples happening again and again and again in every country of the world but it's the problem that there is no one who is who is sort of like promoting those but then you also have to understand is that Let's, let's say that there is a great innovation happening in South Korea. How do you make it travel to Sweden or to Germany or to France or to Venezuela? I think that it doesn't happen automatically. There has to be someone in between who knows is that this is a school in Venezuela that is actually excited. I know the principal. He would be excited about this one. I'll give him an, a call. I explain him. And and then you're kind of like selling the innovation to the location because that's exactly how it works in every other other industry. You need to have someone to be pushing it. You need to have someone to explain. it. You need to have someone explaining the implementation. You need to have someone to explain the possible risks and so on. But in education, like I mentioned, this kind of structure doesn't exist. And I think that that's the key thing we need to change. Yeah, and I don't know if you've heard recently,
0: but Kiran, who is the legendary school leader of Riverside, who founded Design for Change, she recently met the Pope a couple of months back, and they're taking Design for Change to 400,000 Catholic schools around the world. So I know. Uh, what what an, what an, what an amazing uh, accomplishment and scale. And the co- name of the concept is Vatican, What I Can what I can, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And so going back to that, you know, what you said about uh, we need those intermediaries, those distribution channels to take them. I wonder if and what do you see the future or the role of 100
1: in doing that from what you all are currently doing? I I think that 100.org, we have made a big commitment, saying that it it is and it will be a not-for-profit forever. Meaning is that participating in 100 for free, uh, we are promoting great innovations, only innovations we love for free, and and so forth, uh, ambassadors and so on. So we are creating a community that is putting spotlight to the best education innovations globally. But if you really want to make the change happen, I think that that's not enough. So you need to have some kind of intermediary or agency that is really pushing the best ones out there and really listening to client side, meaning is what is it that they need for? Because quite often uh, Moscow or uh, New Delhi or whatever, there's kind of like specific needs. So they don't they are not looking for change everything at the same time tomorrow. What they might be looking for is that we need to improve the holistic well-being in our schools. We need to be improving assessment or robotics or whatever so you sort of like have to have to uh, be able to identify the problem validate the problem and then give them solutions and i think that that's the area in which 100 plans to be in years to come and the goal would be is that 100.org would be not for profit and 100 plus which is our additional service would be a a, uh, social enterprise so that the whole concept would be self-sustaining so that the 100 plus is always based on values we are never promoting anything that we don't love but that would be funding also the core of the concept
0: very cool i can't i can't wait to see how that evolves and one of the things you know i'm always keen to hear from educators and founders like you as you know you've had like uh, like we mentioned in the start, you've had this very prolific, varied career. And I wonder, since you've started focusing on education, how how has your own leadership or mindsets evolved in um, uh, to, to, to the education sector which uh, which which you didn't have to potentially in other sectors, whether it was TV production or all of the other things that you did? What have been some of the unique sort of your own learning edges in in working in education?
1: Um, Well, I'd say that um, first of all, you have to understand is that in many other industries, there are already existing structures. For example, if you want to sell a TV format to India, you know how it works. This is how the format looks like. This is the way to sell it. This is the market in which you are selling it. These are the channels operating in India. These are the time slots. These are the budgets and so on. So everyone knows. In education, the structures don't exist yet. So you sort of like, you have to be inventing while you move. You have to be testing. You have to be trying because like I mentioned, education is still, surprising we live in a international world and education is still surprisingly local so that that's the first thing then the second thing in here is that that you have to be humble and you have to understand for example the role of a teacher you really have to listen to teachers uh, because if teachers if you are if you are not listening to teachers if you are trying to force them to change, I think it will never ever work. So when, when you are changing the schools or trying to change the school, schools, you should start by motivating teachers, meaning this is the reason why, why we need to change. This is the way we are helping you. These are the resources we are giving to you and, and so forth. And that's why, for example, the work of Teach for All is so valuable because in Finland, we are having a huge amount of great teachers in many other countries as you know better than myself are attacking these teachers but it's really complicated to make the change happen in a current structure without motivating teachers and then another thing in here is that actually the change the paradigm change in education is actually quite big because the model we are using is still quite industrial even though there are changes happening But it's based on a discipline, it's based on curriculum, it's based on assessment, and so forth. And if you want to move towards a personalized learning, towards self-assessment, towards soft skills, and so on, then the key question is, how do you educate teachers while they are working at the same time? And it's a massive challenge. So so the key things what I've learned is that, first of all, you have to understand is that, education is unlike any other industry at the moment i think that it will change to be more global and so on but at the moment it's unlike secondly it's complicated because it's happening in silos and thirdly it's been really top down top down system and 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 the role of of the teacher is really crucial if you don't get the teachers on board the change will b- become complicated so i think that in order to make the change happen in education, you need to have brilliant leadership innovations as well. You you need to take good care of the leaders who are making the change happen. For example, the principals. When I'm visiting schools that are either excited, full of energy, or negative, and, and so on, quite often the key thing in here is the principal. Whether the principal is excited, kind of like encouraging, or whether he, is, he or she is hostile and then so forth. So I'd say that lead, we, we have a desperate need of brilliant leadership innovations in education as well. Yeah, and I, I, I saw that in your manifesto of 100,
0: which really resonated with me, where it says, you know, we need visionary leadership at every level of our yeah. education system, at teach at the level of the teachers who are the, you know, last-mile delivery uh the school leaders, where you know groups of teachers are housed, and and also you know professional development, and what do we do to make schools as units of change uh, more effective? So that really resonates. And uh, so uh, I have just one last question for you, and I and I'm going to be respectful of your time. So I'd love to hear a little bit about you know what's uh, the audience for this podcast? Are a lot of educators, social entrepreneurs, and I um, I'm keen to hear. What are some of the best ways for people around the world to get involved uh, with 100.org as ambassadors
1: or in other capacities? If you want to
0: quickly lay that out, I think that will be very helpful.
1: So, so how 100 is operating at the moment is that the, the essence is, is we are selecting 100 innovations annually, not 100 new, but we are keeping a brilliant list of 100 great innovations happening at the moment. In addition to this one, we are also doing 100 spotlights. Uh, and a Spotlight is a collection of 10 innovations either on a region or on a theme. And at the moment we have a 100 spotlight happening in Australia, in the state of Victoria. We have one happening in Pittsburgh, we have one in Taiwan, we have one in Chile. And then on the theme side, we have Spotlight on sustainability and so on. So if any one of the listeners is excited to do a spotlight either on their area, or on, on, on a theme like inclusion or robotics or school food or exercise or holistic well-being or mindfulness, please let us know. And, and then we try to get the funding and identify great innovations on that side. So spotlight is an easy one. Then anybody who is excited about is, is doing something great. Please let us know about your innovation. We have 100 open where anybody anywhere in the world can be posting, can can be informing the world about the great work they are doing. So that's free as well. But in addition to this one, we are also having 100 ambassadors. Like I mentioned, we have a community of 100 ambassadors already in 67 countries, and it's full of people who are excited about change. So what is for me the essence of 100 is that instead of complaining about the problems in education, we try to be excited about beautiful things, that are happening as we speak. So it's a community of people who are excited about the great things that are happening in classrooms all over the world. And and, and they are doing various things with us. They might be, identi- let's say that you, you have someone coming from Southern India, they might be informing us about brilliant schools or about, about brilliant startups who are doing something great. They might be organizing events in their. They might be identifying some of the innovations from other countries and say that I actually think that this would work perfectly in my country and so on. So ambassadors, 100 open, 100 spotlight, all of those are are quite actually easy easy to implement. But at the same time, uh, we we are improving all the time. We try to keep our focus quite strict. But still, if someone is having some out-of-the-box ideas want to do something great and so forth uh, i'm more than happy to listen you can always contact me sakua at 100.org and i'm more than happy to have a skype or whatever to discuss about the possibilities to do cooperation amazing thank you so
0: much Saku, for talking to me.